From Washington, this is the HPS Macrocast with Hamilton Place Strategies and Markets Policy Partners. Good morning. Welcome to the Macrocast. Uh, it's Tony Fratto in New York, um, uh, John Fagan, Brendan Walsh from Markets Policy Partners in the D.C. area. Um, and I hope you guys are staying safe and away from uh, whatever trouble may be brewing in the nation's capital Uh over the next few days, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be out of town for a while. Yeah, D.C. is increasingly militarized. We were talking about that before you came on. Brendan has wisely decamped with his family to Florida. Oh, you are in but, Florida, Brendan. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we, we saw what was coming and we decided we'll trade places. All the assholes from Florida came to D.C. and we came down here. <laughs> Well, DC is it definitely is looking like an armed uh, an armed camp, and it's uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit about uh, you know what's happening on uh, you know on impeachment and inaugural later uh, later in the show. But we got some news this week. Uh, last night we got the Biden plan. Um, uh, we have some Fed speak uh, earlier this week too, and uh, uh, data. We'll get, we're going to get into all of this stuff. But let's start with uh, with the Biden plan. One point nine uh, billion dollars. You know, we can uh, we can break it down, but it is uh, you know it includes you know, not not the two thousand dollar checks, it's fourteen hundred dollars to top up the, uh, the the you know the plan that we just passed last month, um, and that is uh, making its way out into the into the economy right now. Um, you know, we've all been pulling for you know some kind of uh, additional stimulus. I say pulling for just recognizing that the economy needed some boost. To me, like this is still coming pretty late, uh, but it's coming pretty big, you know, so it's got checks, it's got uh, a whole range of different, um, uh, you know, levels of support, state, state and local, it's got a big emphasis on, uh, on hospitals and health and, and uh, uh, vaccine distribution. Um, but just broad strokes on this thing. It's huge, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot bigger than the initial sense was that the incoming Biden administration was going to maybe put out an initial stimulus bill that was relatively smaller, would create that top up from 600 in individual checks to 2000 and have a few other bells and whistles in it, but be relatively, relatively constrained uh, in, in an effort to get bipartisan support. There was even talk that they might have elements in the in the in the plan that would attract specifically designed to attract Republican support, uh, maybe even some, you know, nod to a limit of corporate liability. But they decided to go big and go big early. And uh, this is just uh, also it's worth noting right at the top that this is just part one. Uh, right. When President elect Biden introduced it, it was introduced as a two stage fiscal campaign essentially with this first one being the uh, the the rescue act uh designed specifically at uh at countering covid helping you know helping families deal with the fallout helping states and businesses deal with the fallout which is going to be followed within the first 100 days by the uh, the build back better recovery plan which was left you know the details of which were left uh, left aside uh, but it was certainly, you know, this one-two punch uh, was was how it was characterized, and uh, certainly, you know, Wall Street is is now pondering. We've gotten this. Uh, we've we've gotten a lot of anticipation behind this ever since the Democrats swept the Georgia runoffs. 
there was an immediate shift in the market, even with everything that was happening in Washington, D.C., all the chaos. As we talked about last week, the market kept marching higher in anticipation of this more muscular stimulus uh, that was coming down the pike with uh, unified democratic control. And uh, the, you can see it in, in the way markets have traded. There's been a big run up in growth sensitive stocks, the Russell 2000 index, for instance, which is the smaller cap businesses that are much more dependent on U.S. economic growth than some of the you know, tech companies in the NASDAQ. Mm-hmm. The Russell 2000 is up 9% year to date. <laughs> That's an incredible run. Amazing. The treasury yield curve, which steepens in anticipation of better growth, is considerably steeper. You know, we've seen uh, we've seen a, a, just across the board price action be consistent with this expectation of uh, of of, you know, of fiscal stimulus coming in in a major way and supporting the economy. Uh, but, you know, when you have that anticipation, very often you get sort of a, a sell the news, what they call dynamic. Once the actual once the actual plan is put forth, then instead of anticipation and hope and excitement, you really start to sharp, you know, investors sharpen their pencils and say, are they really going to get this big, huge battleship of stimulus through the narrow straits of the Democratic majorities in the House and Senate and focus on things like, you know, President-elect Biden also alluded to the fact that tax increases were going to be part of the second tranche here, the, uh, the recovery part, no details on that. And so, it's up to investors' imaginations as to what that's going to look like. So, uh, so no, I think that part's really important because going back to Tony's point that it, we're late on this stimulus. Mm-hmm. And people kind of think that doing things through <laughs> reconciliation is just this magic thing that you can do quickly. It, it's really hard. And we need this money right now. So I, my gut tells me that Biden went kind of big and threw some things in there that he knew was going to be taken out like $15 minimum wage as, as, okay, start at two, knowing that you're going to end up at one to, yeah. to be able to get 60 votes in the Senate and that this thing can be done, you know, by say February, because in the end, the Biden administration is their legacy is going to be how quickly we get people vaccinated and how quickly we get the, the economy back on its footing. So I think he needs to have a bipartisan quick bill and take basically whatever the Republicans will give him. Well, it'll be interesting to, you know, now that the Republicans are so divided, we obviously saw the Trump faction in the previous stimulus debate go much more toward upsized spending than in the past defying Senate Majority Leader McConnell at the time. And uh, and that split is still there. There's clearly a sense among the, the, the incoming Biden administration that maybe they can attract they maybe they can attract some of these populist Republicans to cross the line and and vote for some of these upside spending packages, despite the change in, in in administration. And part of this is perhaps supported by the message that came out of the last election cycle, which is blocking stimulus is a vote loser. And yeah. I think yeah. that's a message. Well, the difference, uh, you know, obviously the dynamic difference that uh, uh, that you're going to have this time around relative to last time around is, um, you know, those those Republicans are not going to have Mitch McConnell to protect them in terms of what they can, you know, what they're going to get a chance to vote on. And so, you know, uh, because the, the floor is going to be controlled by um, by Chuck Schumer. So. You know, you could say what you're for or against, but if you, you know, if you think, the, the, you know, there, there are parts of this bill 
that you like and parts that you don't like, Mitch McConnell could keep it off the floor. Uh, but now Republicans are going to be vote, forced to vote on something um, that, uh, you know, where they may have to accept some things they uh, they don't like if they want to vote for if they want to vote for uh, for additional help on vaccines and uh, and other things. And like I, you know, I don't know about the about the populist guys who were for checks like, you know, like Hawley um, and, and, there's, and, there's, you know, uh, other than Ted Cruz, I don't know who is less popular in the Senate caucus right now than, uh, than Josh Hawley. So I don't expect them to carry the day, but you still have that other set of uh, centrist Republicans and Democrats. So, you know, so Joe Manchin, D- Democratic Senator from West Virginia is not in favor of $2,000 checks. All right. So, but he is in favor of increasing unemployment benefits. No question. Like that. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's where I like, you know, uh, that's what you said to answer. I mean, John, you asked the question now is like, you know, is it going to be $1.9 trillion? The answer is definitively no. It's not right. going to be $1.9 trillion. It's going to be something less than $1.9 trillion. And I think it's largely going to be decided by this, you know, the handful of centrist Democrats and Republicans in the Senate um, and probably less the the, the Josh Hollies than, yeah. than than the Romneys, Murkowski, Collins uh, group. Uh, you know Rob Portman, uh, and then Joe Manchin, and uh, you know maybe a Mark Warner and, uh, yep. and Joe Tester. You know that group of you know sort of more centrist Democrats and Republicans. They are going to decide whether there's going to be votes for this uh for this yeah. or not they can pretty and much- i think that debate isn't whether it, it isn't a yes or no whether we need it or we don't need it it's where should we direct it m- yeah. more than whether we should have any stimulus and, 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 the- and on the on the two thousand dollar check you know like joe manchin I, I i agree with his point you know most people didn't lose their jobs and actually your, your savings went up because you're not allowed to leave your house so mm-hmm. I would much rather have that money be spent at the state and local level at the, and, and, and taking the unemployment checks up from 300 back to, to 600. That was proven to be amazingly uh, effective. And, and what about the, the reconciliation question? As you said, Brendan, reconciliation is a lot more complex than, than it's. Wall Street you know, thinks it's, it's a magic thing where you can do whatever you want. And right, the reality right. is you can only do it once in every fiscal year. And, and it, it's part of a, a budget negotiation, and it, it just takes a long time. Well, well, the, the, the perfect example was Obamacare. You know, th- they actually had 60 votes, and it still took forever to get that thing done. Yeah. Now, there is a chance. Look, they could, they could do it twice this year if they um, – Yeah. Right, they, so they could do it Yeah, totally once in twice. the beginning and once at the end. Yeah. But again, because... going through – we need this money right now. We're doing a terrible job of vaccinating people. Like, we yeah. need the money – tomorrow well hopefully look i mean this is the this to me it's the, still the biggest question is on execution on um you know on preventing the disease on distribution of the vaccines on um on you know i mean some of this money and some of the money from you know previous um uh, uh, cares act and, and support uh was to help you know help schools to be able to do a better job i mean there's some basic functional things some of it just has to do with leadership and some has to do structurally with how states are designing their distribution programs and how uh, and how schools are getting better at being able to have kids in school. Yep. 
so that parents can work. And, you know, like there, there, are, there are certain things here that a little bit of leadership will actually have a pretty big economic impact because it'll speed, you know, the, the return to, uh, to normal economic activity. And, and I think we can get there. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, we, we definitely need another, uh, another plan. I mean, we should not uh, uh, forget that there are, you know, still uh, what's the number, you know, between 10, 11 million Americans uh, still out of work. Yeah. And the last jobs number showed us that we lost, I think it was 50, 50 or 60,000 at the state and local level. And that's, that's teachers and that's cops and that's firefighters. I mean, that's, that's who works at the state and local level, you know? Yeah. I mean, these are, and and, and like, you know, jobs are jobs. I don't know why people feel like it's a, it's, it should make a difference, right? Those are jobs. Yeah. And those are people who are going to constrain their economic activity when they're when they're laid off so right. why, why, and, and those people that? weren't laid off because new york does a crappy job on their 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 uh you know budget this is because of covid yeah exactly and you, you yeah, don't want to you don't want to yeah. bail you know whatever yeah, and it may out, be true that wanna... illinois has exactly not sufficiently you know uh uh, it's, in fact, it is true that have not sufficiently, you know, filled their pension plans and, you know, right. lots, of, lots of things that they haven't done. And it's done. very it's easy. Totally you, you put it in the bill that you can't top off your pension plan. With yeah, whatever, whatever right? But, but, but the point is, like, it, you, have to, you have to explain to me how, you know, uh, uh, you know forcing people to, you know, forcing companies to lay off workers and people to go on unemployment, how that makes things better. You know, it doesn't okay. make things better. One thing you mentioned, which I'd love to ask you guys about, uh, and, and you may even have some sense of the quantities on it. Um, but you, you know, we talked about the, the $2,000 checks and that, you know, a lot of people took the previous checks and, uh, and put it into savings. And we know that's true. We've seen savings, you know, increase. Um, yeah. a, a great and, and even the, the banks, Bank of America, JP Morgan, they gave statistics too, that basically 50% of that money with their clients went to savings. Is that, is that some, uh, some hidden uh, stimulus? In the right? future. Delayed, yeah. Delayed yeah. When you're stimulus? left to go out and spend it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like when, th- when it, if things are in, you know, something like normal uh, this summer, um, you know, we still have that. I think of that as sort of like leftover, stimulus that's that yep. we, you know, we put some stimulus in the bank that we know that you know we're spenders right we're you know we we are by nature you're 100 right you either you either saved it or you you actually pay down like credit card debt but either right. way that gives you spending power uh when, when things become quote unquote normal yeah and and i can't help uh, thinking that we're gonna uh, that we're gonna see that we what certainly about- got some commentary to that effect from some fed speakers we can talk about that in a minute um yeah. but uh there <laughs> there's some some issues around that that kind of let's let, why don't we why don't we take a break here and uh and come back we're gonna have a lot a lot of time to talk about um uh the you know the progress on on the biden plan and how republicans react to it how democrats react to it and what the legislation looks at so we'll go we'll i know in in uh in the ensuing uh, weeks of the macrocast, we'll go deeper into elements of it and what the prognosis is for legislative action. Uh, but yeah, let's come back. Let's uh, let's talk about the Fed. Let's talk about the economy. Uh, what we're seeing with uh, with data. You're listening to the macrocast. Markets Policy Partners provides sophisticated financial market analysis that is independent, accessible, and actionable for a broad audience. Learn more at marketspolicy.com or visit them on Twitter at marketspolicy. And we're back on the macrocast. 
John, we got we got Powell this week. Um, you know, in his sweater, in his kitchen. I think we have to start calling him the chef. <laughs> yeah, like Powell in his kitchen. Uh, you know, uh, uh, talking. I thought was I thought was pretty good. But but uh, but he had a lot to say about about the economy and about where you know what, what where they see the outlook. Uh, we also got some data this week, but how, how did you read what we what we heard from from Powell and Clarida and others? Well, when it came to Fed speak this week, there were a lot of cooks in the kitchen, maybe too many cooks <laughs> in the kitchen, and uh, we certainly got some some mixed recipes here at the at the outset of the week. And actually, this began last week with uh, some commentary from particularly regional uh, regional Fed presidents that was focused much more on what we were talking about just before the break that medium term expectation of a real slingshot in the economy in the second half that's certainly a possibility and the pent up the pent up demand the pent up savings the pent up need for experiences and interest in getting out and that is a tantalizing and delightful prospect for all of us and it certainly has uh, <laughs> been in the thinking of of uh, FOMC members as well. And some of the commentary earlier in the week really was about how this has, particularly with the, the fiscal stimulus coming online too, this has brightened up the economic horizon. And this has led to you know some discussion about, well, the potential timeline for withdrawal of some of the extraordinary stimulus measures, particularly the quantitative easing, which is the asset purchase program, AKA QE, Mm-hmm. And there was a uh, you know, discussion among some of the earlier the speakers last week and early this week about you know, what kind of timeline we might use for, for wrapping or beginning to taper this program or wrapping it up. And, uh, and Atlanta Fed President Bostic was theorizing that potentially the economy could be so good by, by the summer. Uh, and others as well said that this might be good, so good by the summer that it might be time to talk about the taper. The this was then uh, a discussion, uh, an element of discussion that began to uh, to be reacted to in subsequent Fed speak, <laughs> and uh, other speakers like Vice Chair Clarida, and very notably uh, Governor Brainerd, and yesterday Fed Chair Powell, hammering home the fact that it is too early to talk about this. Anybody that flashes back to the taper tantrum in 2013 when then chair Bernanke started talking about the taper and markets flipped out and priced in the whole taper and tightened financial conditions prematurely, a lot would argue just by virtue of Bernanke mentioning that he was thinking about it. And I think that we've seen this, you know, it Powell isn't going to be, isn't, isn't going to be enforcing like Omerta, like the code of silence on tapering, but he was, he was pretty forceful in his, uh, in his, uh, characterization of this being just way too early to talk about. And that's something personally I agree with. We've got to get there first. Yeah. And with something, a program like QE, which is very much based on expectations, if you put it in place, they just set it that policy in December, and they're going to continue on their $120 billion a month purchase trajectory until further substantial uh progress toward their goals well guess what we haven't seen that's been a couple of weeks and we've seen the opposite of progress we've seen things going in the opposite direction so i think powell has made a lot of sense here i think the markets are hypersensitized uh to this kind of taper talk 
And, and I think Fed officials have to be incredibly careful with what they say. Yeah, you're totally right. Like most of economics is based on looking at data from previous things we've done and, and predicting that it will be in the future. The last time we did this was in the late uh, 1918, you know, <laughs> we have that and the yeah. roaring twenties happened, but the economy was very, very different then. So let's just be cautious and let's, overdo it and make sure that we're actually back to normal before we start talking about tightening things. Well, it's, it's some evidence to, uh, to sort of how far we are, you know, from normal. I mean, you know, you guys talked about uh, the jobs report last week, uh, the November jobs report, the, um, you know, we saw claims yesterday uh, back up near a million uh, initial claims, retail sales this week uh, did not paint a pretty picture from, uh, you know, from, uh, for December. Again, it's one of those things. And well that, below expectations. Um, people, well below. The economists were thinking it would be flat. And it flat, was flat, know, but slightly positive. And it yeah. Was, yeah, even online sales went down, which has like never happened, which th- that, that's, a, that's a real signifier. That's very and I, one, of the, one of the things that, that Fed Governor Brainerd brought up in her speech this week was reminding the Fed that their new formulation on full employment is focused specifically on the lower income segments. And that even as bad as the headline numbers on the jobs market look right now, they're way worse the yeah. further down you go down, down the, the income ladder. And she estimated that, that lower income uh, segments have 20% unemployment. And that is, you know, that should be the laser-like focus here. Healing, healing is not, you know, going to be prioritized for the, for the, the segments that have kept their jobs and are still, you know, and, and the ones that we've mentioned, saving up a lot of money and getting ready for, you know, that, yeah. that summer trip that they had to defer last year. Boy, is that not the case for a huge segment of the U.S. population. And the Fed is going to be focused on them. Janet Yellen, as Treasury Secretary, is going to be laser-like focused on that segment, uh, given her, you know, her labor market background and, and uh, or her, her uh, background there at, at, at head of the Treasury. So I think my guess is that ultimately this resolves into an all hands on deck fed and treasury pretty aligned at, at trying to make, you know, trying to lift that, that, uh, that most impacted segment up. And on the online sales, I'm pretty amazed because I'm a thousand miles from my house, but Amazon still seems to know where I live and delivers packages every day. I have no idea how it happens. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of nice. You know, it is, it, it is, it is amazing that that, that number could go down in December of all, um, you know, of all months. Yeah. yeah. Um, but maybe people did their shopping early. You know, is that possible? Well, you had a lot of time on your hands, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Still, I, I, look, I mean, the, in terms of, the, you know, the way the economy's changed that way, you know, we used to get giddy when we'd see a box on our doorstep, you know. Yeah. Now it's like another box. and Yeah, like, oh, I got to open it and then put it in recycling. But the numbers are, I mean, look, the numbers are troubling and, and not, not, you know, not, not to beat a dead horse, but I think that stuff, you know, the, the, what we saw in November, December was preventable. Uh, and now we're just going to have to hope that what's, you know, uh, making its way into the economy now from the previous and the ensuing uh, uh, relief plans are able to uh, exactly do, yeah. do those. But they're going to get you're going to the, the yeah, hill understands how bad the situation is, and and it helps get a, a bipartisan bill passed quickly. 
It yeah, really... and obviously the the stimulus here in the, this this first round of stimulus spending is trying to treat the most acute symptoms of the pandemic, and the second tranche is that investment, um, the investment in infrastructure, the build back better approach. It's a much longer time. Uh, it's a much longer timeline. The appointment of uh, of Mayor Buttigieg as uh, the transportation secretary is a signal that they don't want infrastructure week to be a punchline. Tony, yeah. I don't know. When you were at Treasury, did you ever encounter the the plan for a U.S. infrastructure bank? Yes. Yeah. It, it was it was a recurring, um, you know, it was a recurring idea. Um, and, I, and, and, uh, and, and, you know, and I found I usually argued against it um, because uh, just, you know, we have banks like we're not short of banks. And, um, you know, what you know, th- there are there are pieces of. Uh, there are pieces of infrastructure that will always have to have some government subsidy to them. Uh, like by their very nature, you cannot do large infrastructure without some government subsidy. It just wasn't obvious to me that a national bank was the best way to supply that subsidy. You know, and people go get all get, get crazy when you start talking about like when you, if you you know you're a Republican and you talk about subsidy. And not, you know, and not with like making the hex sign over it, you know, it's like, no, like the, the subsidy subsidies are good for doing, you know, uh, all kinds of large um, uh, infrastructure that will service a whole range of, um, um, uh, you know, regions and populations. Like there is no way to do it absent a subsidy. I just think it's just easier to just appropriate the money. Like, you know, we borrow at the world's lowest rates. Why wouldn't the treasury just sell some paper and finance the subsidy portion of infrastructure um, rather than have it to go through this, this thing that called a bank that needs to be administered and uh, and additional fees and whatever on it and pay it back. I mean, why, like, I don't understand why you pay it back. Just, you know, uh, like have, you know, States can raise money for their port, their, their part of it. Um, some part of it, you know, you know, some certain kinds of infrastructure lend themselves to tolling uh, to pay back, uh, you know, to pay back part of it. Uh, but, you know, but, you know, that, to me, that's like, I don't know why you wouldn't just take the low, the world's lowest borrowing costs in the world and apply that to this public good, which is a road, an airport, a port, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah, I'm no expert on infrastructure, no question about it. But that the, the role of the states and obviously the ability of the federal government in the current uh, arrangement to guide some of that, you know, clearly the transportation department has a role in it, the treasury does too. Uh, but there's, but infrastructure is complex. And I think when people look back at the Trump administration, one of the big questions will be, why didn't he do it? And uh, that was something that was in his, in his campaign when he was running uh, for election in 2016, it was a big part of his campaign. It sort of fit his brand. He's a builder. He's a he's a developer, and it was supposed to be this. You know, for, I was I was I was in the Treasury at the time, and so there was a lot of confusion about exactly what the Trump administration would open up with. And when they opened up with healthcare, there was a gigantic head scratcher. That was maybe the sort of Pence wing of the of of the Republican Party getting there you know, getting their say and, you know, dance with who brung you, we won on healthcare. So try that first. Yeah. It pivoted to taxes. And then the question was, after they did taxes, what was next? And it was sort of a, you know, in, in 
from from where I was at the Treasury, it was really kind of a horse race between China policy and infrastructure. And uh, it's, it's no coincidence that once the China policy uh, came to the forefront of what they were going to be focused on for 2019, yeah, let me, uh, let me Gary Cohn left as, uh, <laughs> as director. Okay. Let me tell you my take on that. My, my take on that is this, is that, uh, like, again, like I, we could, and we're, I'm, I'm be, you know, we're all bewildered by it, but I mean, we, we probably shouldn't be given the fact that, um, you know, Trump really never had any interest in legislating and doesn't know how to do it. Doesn't have the, you know, the, uh, doesn't have the first uh, um, instinct on how to actually do legislating. And I think if you, the, 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 the best histories of the uh, Trump administration policy as reflected by legislation will conclude that Mitch McConnell was president of the United States, not Donald J. Trump. So there was not a single piece of legislation that passed uh, that, uh, that Mitch McConnell did not want passed and, and in a way that he wanted it passed. And so Mitch McConnell has never been a strong supporter of, of, uh, of infrastructure spending and always wanted it paid for. And that's why you never saw it. And the Trump administration was incapable of overriding. So that you think of the big legislative wins of the Trump administration, they were all things that the Republicans wanted, you know, tax cuts, you know, some of the, uh, you know, some of the health uh, issues, um, there was, there isn't, you know, you could say criminal justice reform, but Mitch McConnell was actually in favor of criminal justice reform. Like, so that bill was something that he wanted and it got done. So it is really, really hard to find a thing that was passed that was not a Mitch McConnell priority. And, you know, that, and, you know, the, the, now the other things that the Trump administration did, did that reflect Trump were the things that they could do by executive action you know, regulations, immigration, uh, you know, the, the trade deal was a, uh, you know, was a fait accompli, but, you know, you know, Mitch uh, McConnell had, you know, Grassley and others working very closely with uh, the, the negotiating team to make sure that things like NAFTA didn't go very far off the rails. Um, you know, definitely reflects some of the Navarro, Light, uh, Lighthizer, um, uh, Trump, uh, instincts on on trade. It was actually, you know, it's uh, something that that uh, tends to restrict trade rather than liberalize trade. But it's not a huge, you know, thing for the Republican caucus. So, Mitch McConnell was president of the United States from a legislative perspective. There's, a, you know, judges. Those are all Mitch's judges. Every one of them. You and uh, and 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 his uh, one of his last acts here as Senate as Senate Majority Leader, at least for this round, will be to defer the impeachment trial into uh, put it right into new incoming Senate Majority Leader Schumer's lap. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so what's what's your take on this delicate dance between getting stimulus through and the impeachment trial? How does this shake out? And nominations. And nominations, of course. We haven't started yeah, yeah. that at all, right? No, and, and and they need to move very quickly. I mean, I, I don't think we have a, you know, I, I really don't think we have a functioning government right now. You know, no. who is in charge? You know, Nobody, if you, if, everyone's if, left. Uh, right? yeah. if you get a call from the president and you're one of the agencies and departments and, uh, you know, they say the president wants to talk to you and he's got some instruction for you to do something, do you actually do it? 
or do you go check with the vice president's office and make sure that you really ought to do this, right? That sounds like crazy, but this is the government we have right now and for the next six days. This is dangerous. You know, our adversaries know this, that it's not functioning. Um, you know, the, the most uh, grown-up language coming out of the White House right now is coming from uh, the vice president talking about, you know, the transfer and inauguration and, uh, and things like that. So, uh, so, you know, and we have uh, whole departments emptying themselves of people, you know, and including the White House uh, itself. So we need very quickly to get these guys who have been nominated. We're going to get, I think, four nomination hearings on Tuesday. Um, you know, we need them confirmed on the floor as quickly as possible uh, so that there aren't gaps, especially at, you know, DHS, Treasury, uh, DOD, State Department. Like, we need these people in very, very quickly. We need the AG very quickly um, and to prevent gaps in the national security umbrella and the economic security umbrella. Um, so, that's, so that's a big thing. Um, you know, impeachment is going to get in the way of that. They're talking to the parliamentarian about, you know, uh, possibilities of, you know, going half days, you know, um, you know, mornings for legislative business and nominations, afternoons for, um, you know, for, uh, for impeachment trial. I don't know. I think I should put the impeachment trial, go evenings on the impeachment trial, you know, put it in prime time. Though I, on the impeachment, when, when it goes to the Senate, it, it, it's, it's actually a, a trial and, mm-hmm we don't have all the details of what happened on January 6th. I, I think we should let the FBI finish its investigation and then actually present what happened because everything I'm hearing, it's a lot, lot worse than what we know. I think that's fair. Uh, the, the, I would say the only problem with that is that um, already there are Republicans uh, who are excusing away and rationalizing yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, what the president said or did. And as you get further away, day by day, further away from the event itself, the heat goes away. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, people get distracted by other things and change the subject. And it's, you know, so I think it's already an uphill battle to get 17 Republicans, the necessary 17 Republicans to uh, to get to two thirds majority and convict. Maybe Wait, it's 18. You, you could probably get seven and, now. What, what's that? You could probably get maybe seven now. So, yeah, I think it's closer to seven than seventeen. Yeah. So, so I think they're. Um, uh, so I think that's the you know that, that that's sort of the a dynamic they're fighting. You know, sooner um, you know later we're going to learn more. Sooner there's more heat and uh, emotion uh, to keep the pressure on uh, to try to convince some Republicans to uh, to come over uh, and do it. It's a different trial. It will be a different trial than what we've seen in the past because he yeah. will not technically be the president of the United States anymore. Um, Congress gets to make its own rules on these things, but you likely will not see the Chief Justice, uh, John Roberts, officiating uh, because he officiates impeachments of the president. Oh, and fascinating. It's really, it really is fascinating. You know, that people think uh, impeachments are uh, of the president. You can impeach any federal, um, uh, any executive official, uh, any ex- you know, executive or judiciary. So, you know, judges can be impeached and have been, and uh, and executive branch uh, officials. You know, if you're a you know a secretary of uh, DHS, you can be impeached. Yeah. Um, th- so, therefore, executive positions and judicial positions. 
um, uh, doesn't apply to Congress. Congress polices its own body. But but you so you would not have the you would not have the you know the, the chief justice um, you know managing that. It'll be it'll be a different proceeding. Who who will oversee it? It's, a, it's an open question. Uh, presumably, uh, you would have, uh, you know, uh, probably the president pro tem of the Senate, uh, okay. sitting, you know, sitting in the chair um, uh, in that case. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be wild. We'll see. You know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see how this plays out. They're gonna, um, you know, that, that that's competing for a lot of uh, floor time, and those are all, all three of those you know, nominations, impeachment, and uh, and getting this legislation moving are all very, very high priorities for uh, you know for the incoming Biden administration and you know the now governing uh, uh, Democrat majority. So. Um, they, they, I think it's a, um, it, it's a, it's, you know, it's a Jenga puzzle, um, you know, for, for a while. Yep. All right, guys, we have, uh, we have inaugural next week. We have, um, uh, we're going to have these hearings. Um, uh, what, you know, one thing that, uh, w- one thing we should look forward to, I'm looking forward to is the Yellen hearing, you know, uh, and even though she's a known quantity, I wanted to get her hearing and uh, have it go quickly. It's going to be interesting for her. She's got a, um, you know, she she has always been in the position of, uh, you know, going up and testifying and talking about the macro economy and defending the th- decisions that the Federal Reserve uh, has made and uh, that the FOMC has made. Now she has to go up as a salesperson, yeah. um, selling policies, and sure she's still going to talk about the economy, but. Uh, she's going to have to answer a lot of questions on their intentions with uh, this, you know, this, uh, the stimulus bill and, um, you know, independence of the Fed and Treasury and how that's yep. going to work given her experience and, uh, you know, oversight and regulatory issues uh, that were, you know, that were a, a, of a broader segment of the economy than, than what she had uh uh, her eyes on as as Fed chairs. I, I think it's actually yeah, and, and international, where usually Fed doesn't it focus on the U.S. economy, not so much on the international, the global economy. Yep, exactly right. So yeah, so it'll be it's going to be it's going to be uh, fun to watch. I'll be watching it and and uh, and see how she does. Uh, and then we have the inaugural, and hopefully um, it's a safe inaugural. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you you hate to see, like you said, you hate <laughs> to see. Uh, yeah, you yeah. hate to see it as an armed camp, but um, but we hope that it's uh, it gets carried off uh, safely, and I hope that there are a yeah. lot of Republicans act- officials who attend the inauguration and give witness to uh, you know to Biden being being sworn in. Yes, our producer Mariel lives right there in the middle of it, and basically it looks like Baghdad, the green zone in Baghdad, right? <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, and that's the thing. The, the the fifty state capitals are are not nearly as well fortified, and that FBI warning right. was that you know the protests spread out, and uh, and so hopefully everything will pass without incident. But it's a uh, you know it's obviously a testing time. Absolutely. Well, let's all try to stay safe, Mario. Especially if you're if you're in the uh, the hot zone, uh, stay <laughs> stay safe. All my friends in D.C. Uh, and in state capitals around the country, um, you know, stay home and watch on TV if you can. 
and enjoy the, also the very long, you know, the long uh, holiday weekend, Martin Luther King Day on, on, on Monday as well. So uh, stay safe. We'll join you uh, next Friday on the Macrocast. Thank you for listening to the HPS Macrocast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and share. 